Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, you are listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR 855 AM. My name is Morgan, I'll be bringing you today's show and coming up today we're going to be talking to Heidi Taylor from Tangaroa Blue following her source reduction workshops that she had throughout Port Phillip Bay. Um, A couple of weeks ago they finished up so she's just going to let us know about how it went Um, and also going to be talking about some mangroves die back up in Queensland. So stick around. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR. I bought a ticket on a plane. Was hoping things would be the same. I tried to turn out love around. I never looked in lost and Help 3CR support the rights of Indigenous Australians. They mean to save our culture and save our dreams, our footprints, dreams, our songline, and keep our culture going strong. Of course, a lot of the Aboriginals, having been stolen, were put into state care, and also others were... The recognition of what our people have been through in the last 200 years, the recognition of our culture in the last 40,000 years, and the recognition of where we are heading into the future. Welcome to uh, Survival Day, Invasion Day. 223 years ago, the white man landed on our shores. 
Subscribe to 3CR and help keep Indigenous voices on air. Call us on 94198377 or visit 3cr.org.au. Subscribe now. You are listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR 855 AM. That song there was from Kingswood from their newest album, After Hours, close to dawn with their song, Big City. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I bumped back into Heidi Taylor from Tangaroa Blue. We talked to her a couple of weeks ago on the show about her source reduction workshop. So that's all done now. Now she's back up to the warm waters of Queensland and travelling around collecting microplastics, plastics and rubbish from our marine systems. Now, yesterday was a Sea Shepherd event at Cinema Nova. So if you're lucky enough to head along to the screening of A Plastic Ocean, a documentary all about marine plastics and uh, marine pollution. So if you haven't seen it, highly recommend um, checking it out. They're traveling around Australia, but it's a really fantastic documentary. I was really happy to head along and um, some really fantastic footage and information on the documentary. So if you're able to check it out, do. But we're talking to Heidi and she can tell you a bit about her experience and um, what marine pollution means to her as well. Good morning. You're listening to Out of the Blue and we're joined this morning from with Heidi from Kangaroo Blue. Thanks, thanks again for joining us. No, thanks for having us. It's been a great week. Perfect. Now, last time we spoke, we were at the first of the source reduction workshops, which was at Bayside City Council, and now we're at the Port Phillip Council offices for the last one. Now, how's it been? It's just been an amazing couple of weeks with these workshops. There's been such a variety of stakeholders that have come to each one. Uh, some great ideas and projects um, that have come out of it. And of course, you know, we need buy-in from the locals to make these projects happen. So it, it's been a really, really good opportunity to get everybody together. Yep. And how many people or, you know, what, what sorts of people have sort of come along to the workshops? So I think we're very close to 250 um, across all of the seven workshops. We've had um, a lot of local council members, but we've had also representatives from state government. There's a lot of community groups and even individual members of the community that might not be affiliated with a group that have come along. Um, and really good to see industry members too uh, and universities, scientists. We've, we've had a whole range of people. It's been amazing. Yep, so you've been at seven different locations around Port Phillip Bay. You know, was there a bit of a difference between the different council offices? offices and the locations? Yeah, each one is slightly different and that's why we, we try and do these at an actual local government level because um, the data will be slightly different, uh, what they're dealing with, what their infrastructure is, what the community priorities are are all going to be slightly different. So that's why we've tried to do it at this local level um, just to run these type of workshops. Yep, and so at the, each of, at the end of each workshop there was a plan, there was a project that was going to be um, rolled out at those locations. Can you give some examples of some of the plans that have come out of these workshops? Yeah, so the idea of having the plan at the end of the workshop was to bring the network together on a collaborative project. And as these networks develop, it's really important that the project is something that is fairly easy to start off with. Um, and then, the, and hopefully then the network can build capacity and understanding on how this framework can actually work. And then, you know, later on down the track, they could tackle something a bit more difficult. So we tried to guide the process into finding um, some easy solutions, but also things that the data had shown in that area were actually a significant problem. So certain things like cigarette butts at uh, certain areas. So it could be, uh, a area where there's 
shops or cafes or a car park or a beach so it was really specific to the area um, we had coffee cups disposable single-use coffee cups as one of the items that was targeted um, one of the council areas decided to work on a sustainable greens event plan to make sure that any event that's running within the Shire areas you know knows how to make sure that they're using as less single-use plastics as they can but also making sure that the waste is dealt with in a, an appropriate way and reduced wherever possible um, so those are a couple of the, the ideas that have come out and we're really looking forward to see how those progress. Yep. And at the workshop you talk a little bit about going for that local issue rather than tackling the major things like the plastic bags and trying to change the world to such a big level and going federal. You, you focus on that local level. Can you talk a bit about that and some of your experience? Yeah, so the source reduction plan framework is something that's scalable. So it can work, for example, addressing litter in a local schoolyard, but the same principles will work if you're dealing with something that is um, being worked on at a federal level or a state level. You just need different players at the table. And at a local level, um, the, the best way to get success is to tackle things that the local community can actually solve. Things like a container deposit scheme and a plastic bag ban, you know, they're well supported ideas throughout the community, but they really need to be addressed at a state level. So a local, a local group like this can't necessarily change um, legislation at this level but they can all join forces to then show their support at the state level. So there's there's different ways to utilise this network in, into the future um, and I guess that the, the first starting point is let's let's show you how this, this framework actually works and let's tackle something easy that's locally relevant, that's of concern um, and we can get some you know low-hanging fruit picked first. Yeah. You had a lot of volunteers as part of the workshop who were part of beach patrols or you know just general waste cleanups whether it was rivers or it was streets. Um, did what they were what they were finding is that quite similar to what you find up at Cape York and up north? So the closer you get to an urban area or a city, the more likely the rubbish is coming from the catchment and from the the community or our rubbish. The further you get away from communities, the more likely that rubbish is that it's come from somewhere else. And in Cape York, we imagine this area to be pristine. It's an amazing area, um, but it is really impacted by marine debris from ocean sources. So we get a lot of stuff from cargo ships or international fisheries. Um, in some cases, you know, we're removing up to a tonne per kilometre. Um, and that stuff can be a lot more difficult to address because it's not coming from the indigenous communities up there. It's coming from ocean sources. Uh, and those communities really, really struggle with the volume, but also what to do with it if they go and collect it. They don't have, you know, three bins that get picked up twice a week by council. They have a hole in the ground that gets burnt when it's, when it's full. So, you know, dealing with the marine debris issue up there is very, very logistically challenging uh, and much more um, difficult to, to actually find those sources because sometimes they're international. Yep. And as well, communication is a big focus on the workshop. That's, in my personal opinion, something that I found as well. And just the change in people's mentality to how probably it used to be when you started Tangaroa Blue to now, when you you sort of said in one of the workshops, when you walk down the street and you say to someone, what's marine debris? They might not understand it, but they know what it is. How about in these workshops? Do you, do you, is that education and that communication really important for the future? 
Yeah, look, it, it definitely is. And this issue is becoming more mainstream. It, it definitely has a much higher profile than it did when we started back in 2004. Um, and that is the first step in getting people to change their behaviour, uh, is understanding the issue and, and its impacts into the environment. So, you know, we're definitely on the right track. I think we have to be careful with the way that we explain the issues. Uh, the media had this big you know, story a few years ago about this floating island of trash in the middle of the Pacific. And, and while it was very visual, people could get it, it didn't actually exist. It was more like a floating soup of tiny little particles that were, you know, um, floating in all all depths of the water column. You couldn't see it from Google Earth. So we need to be a little bit careful of the way that we explain the issue to people and why it's a problem. Um, and that's what we try and do with these workshops is, is base stuff on science and on data so that it's a balanced view. And we can bring all the stakeholders along uh, with us on this journey. Not just people that are really, really concerned about the environment, but we can start to change the perception of the rest of the community so that they understand why this is an important issue to address. Yep. So as we're at the last workshop today, moving forward, what's what's the next step? So once we've had all of the um, workshop ideas come through, we're going to send out a um, wrap-up email to all the participants, uh, listing the item that they wanted to tackle and um, just recording what those next steps were that they thought would be uh, important to, to work through. Um, we'll be providing some support around the edges to help with troubleshooting or maybe you know, provide some ideas as the as the network moves forward, um, and we'll be doing a media event for each of the council areas to promote this throughout their communities. Uh, once the the project kind of gets up and running, so we hope within the next three to six months we actually have a project up onto the table, um, and we can start to see results in the environment as well. Yep, and I guess anyone listening, whether they're a teacher or whether they're part of a friends group, as a source reduction workshop or that um, source reduction plan, is that something anyone can do? Yeah, absolutely. Look, if the if people want to get involved they can go to the tangaroablue.org website and everything is there. So we even have a presentation and a, sh a small video on how people can run their own source reduction plan workshop. So um, all the resources are there. We'd love to hear um, anybody that does that because what you'll find is that communities and people are tackling similar issues across the country and if somebody comes up with a really good idea then they should be yelling it from the you know the top of the buildings and letting everybody know so that you know people don't have to start at the beginning rung all the time. We can learn from what's worked in other places and definitely what didn't work so we don't have to make those same mistakes twice. So, you know, providing this network uh, and this growing network just means we can learn from each other and um, I think, you know, we find so many similar items. You know, these kind of uh, networks provide that information that can, can grow. Yeah, that's exactly true. And even at these workshops, you've got all different beach patrols or be the clean-up groups. And when they come together, those voices together, you know, and when they share their data, because you're collecting data as well, aren't you, from these workshops? Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're trying to provide some resources out of these workshops. You know, we've mapped where everybody's doing clean-up efforts from, from the workshop participants. Um, so we have a really good idea of where there's a lot of effort and also where there's gaps so that can be kind of addressed in the future. Um, what people are concerned about, what are people doing and how can we all you know value add to each other's efforts? Uh, I think there's a lot of duplication in this space and if we can if we can reduce the duplication and work more collaboratively it doesn't mean that groups have to lose their own identity but it, it means that we can you know put our resources and get the biggest bang out, uh, out of our bucks um, because you know this issue isn't going away for two major reasons. One the population keeps growing and two we keep buying too much stuff that we have to you know throw away when it breaks so we, we really need to be a bit smarter in how we network how we work on these issues um, but also you know we've got to be 
we've got to be in this for the long haul, so we've got to pace ourselves too. <laughs> yep, especially to those in the local environment of Port Phillip Bay where it's a bay. It's going to capture everything and it's most likely going to stay in there other than Cape York. It's a different environment to what you're used to. Yeah, it's a really interesting system here. Um, you know, in, in places like Cape York where you can have up to 90% of stuff coming from offshore, practically, you know, 99% of the stuff in Port Phillip Bay has come from the catchment. Um, theoretically, it should be easier for us to solve because it's our rubbish, not an international source rubbish. Uh, but it does mean we need to be strategic in, in how we start preventing that stuff flowing in because really the health of the bay is, is the ultimate goal here. We want to help improve that in the long term. Yep, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for the talking to me this morning and to us all the listeners and thank you so much for such fantastic work that you do yeah thank you and I just want to say a huge big thank you to all the local councils that uh, actually hosted these events for us also to Sustainability Victoria through their Litter Innovation Fund because they funded it and most importantly to every single person that came in not only participated in the workshops but provided information beforehand so we could really tailor these workshops to the local community so thank you to everybody that got involved it's been a really really great project You are listening to Out of the Blue and that um, interview there was with Heidi Taylor from Tangaroa Blue and that was all about their source reduction workshops that they had. So if you were able to get along, do share with everyone your experience and try and really work towards those plans because they're really important. There was a range of different plans from each workshop. There was straws, coffee cups, you know, even there was a plastic bags down at Geelong because Ocean Grove had a really fantastic um, group of people who were able to put forward, you know, stopping the use of plastic bags in that, in that community there at Ocean Grove. So no matter where you start, get out there, get started, join a friends group, um, there's all types of grants through councils and there's all types of friends groups. So be sure to check out um, in your local community if you'd like to get more involved. And if you'd like to know more about Tangaroa Blue, that's Tangaroa, T-A-N-G-A-R-O-A, Blue, B-L-U-E. And they do a lot of really fantastic work throughout Australia. So we're going to go to a song and when we come back, I'm going to talk a bit about mangroves. Something to behold Elegant and bold You are listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR 855 AM. My name is Morgan and now... A report has come out from The Conversation, an online uh, media uh, article, um, really fantastic actually, so a bit like Huffington Post in a way, but The Conversation have done an investigation into mangroves in um, the Northern Territory where they've found that it's been the worst dieback in global history. So, And it struck off the Gulf of Carpentaria in the summer of 2015 and 2016. Now, in early 2016, local tour operators and consultants during bird surveys alerted authorities to mangroves dying en masse along entire shorelines. About 7,400 hectares or 6% of the Gulf's mangroves forest had died. Northern Territory had the most severe losses where about 5,500 hectares of mangroves suffered dieback. 
Mangroves are extremely durable and adaptable though, but the severe drought and sea level drop during this time may have caused the dieback. The mangroves, including the mudflats and seagrass meadows, support thousands of marine turtles and dugongs, a thriving fishing industry worth at least $30 million Australian ultimately depends on the mangroves as well. Now, the mangroves dive back has been recorded in Australia in the past to occur over decades, but this one has occurred over months. The dieback coincided with the Great Barrier Reef's worst ever bleaching event, which affected 1,000 kilometres of coastline between the Roper River in the Northern Territory and Kurumba in Queensland. The investigation found that the three extreme impacts were severe drought, hot sea temperature, which included hot air temperature, and finally that the sea level dropped by up to 20 centimetres, and this coincided with the El Nino events. Now, due to climate change, this is a really strong insight for scientists to see to what length can the mangroves survive because they are extremely important to a range of fishing and um, industries for our own benefit, but also to the sea life. Now, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for joining me on Out of the Blue. Thank you so much to Heidi Taylor for joining us on the show today. Um, again, if you're able to see the documentary A Plastic Ocean, be sure to because you'll be able to really see the impact of marine debris, especially those plastics. There's some footage on the film of shearwater birds um, at Lord Howe Island being cut open and plastic being pulled out of them of about 12 centimetres and the entire stomachs being full of plastic and it really sends home the message of plastic and our one use plastic use and the impact to the environment so be sure to check that out stick around for out of the pan coming up next with sally you're listening to 3cr